0: Welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. I'm Joey Roberts.
1: It's hard for people to to cut off something that they've spent a lot of time and and energy working for. Um, I also think people aren't necessarily comfortable at at reading the three reports. I think the average entrepreneur can read an income statement, but balance sheet and cash flow, they, they struggle with a little bit.
0: Nathan Hirsch, welcome to the Fearless Sellers podcast. I am impressed with your entrepreneurial achievements and you told me that you've never had a real job. You've <laughs> built and sold Amazon businesses and now you help sellers understand and track their profits and losses as the founder of Ecom Balance.
1: Yeah, thank, thanks so much for having me. Uh, excited to be here. And uh, just to clarify, I've never sold an Amazon business. I sold a freelance marketplace called FreeUp, but I did sell $25 million on Amazon from like 2008 to 2015, uh, back in the Wild Wild West days when, when you could do anything.
0: That is incredible. And we are definitely digging in to that story because I absolutely love what you were selling. So starting off with the bookkeeping and the hiring, I would say that is not the fun part of running an Amazon business or really any business, but it is so important.
1: Yeah, I think I like to focus on the the unsexy parts of business, hiring and bookkeeping. And I mean, it all comes down to with my Amazon business, I started off, uh, actually, I met with an accountant for the first time because uh, my parents said I should probably pay taxes and he couldn't do my taxes without bookkeeping. And so I tried doing it myself and I would get these credit card statements that were this thick from all the suppliers that I was buying from, and I would manually enter them into QuickBooks and then I got sick of doing it every month so I hired a college kid with no bookkeeping experience to to do it instead and then I turned it over to my accountant and he said, "Sorry, we can't accept this. You have to pay someone else to redo all the work that you just did." So, that was kind of my my first lesson into not doing your own bookkeeping. And then I tried to hire a bookkeeper to just do it at the end of the year and then do it quarterly, and then finally I realized that it needs to be done every single month or I'm just making decisions blindly. And one of the best decisions I ever made with FreeUp was hiring a bookkeeper from day one. Before we were even profitable, we'd get reports at the end of every month, we'd make decisions based on what the reports were saying, and that really helped us grow it from a $5,000 investment to doing over eight figures by year four. And when we went to sell the business, we had four years of immaculate books going back to the first day that helped us pass due diligence. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs they kind of go through, hey, I'll do it myself. I'll save myself some money. And you quickly learn that that's not the way to go.
0: And you're also starting your Amazon business as a seller from scratch and you can't predict the future. So, and that was what for me, I was like, all right, I'm going to do the bookkeeping myself. I actually had my husband help me with the bookkeeping for that. And he used QuickBooks and ran it through, but quickly realized like, hey, this is the heart of the business. It's your money. It's how much money you're spending and how much money is coming in. That's how you survive.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I my philosophy is that entrepreneurs and sellers should never be doing their own bookkeeping. First of all, it's a terrible use of your time. It's all time that could be spent on launching a new product, getting on a new marketplace, strategic decisions, hiring, higher level stuff. And second of all, e-commerce bookkeeping is hard. It's not like you're just doing bookkeeping for a brick and mortar store. That's pretty straightforward. I would say nine out of 10 times when someone's come to me and they've done their own bookkeeping, it's a complete mess. And cleanup work always costs more than just doing it right from day one. So I think a lot of veteran entrepreneurs, even when they're starting a new business, know to just hire that bookkeeper from day one. And the thing that I like to point out is you're not going to go out of business because of your bookkeeping expense if you're small, bookkeeping is relatively inexpensive we're costing we're talking a few hundred bucks a month and you will go out of business because you're making poor decisions or you don't know your numbers uh, or you're spending your the your time in the wrong spot so that that's kind of my overall take after doing this for a while.
0: Yes, and the bookkeeping includes. Everything, right? What's going on your credit cards, running out and buying packaging to have to ship a one-off product. Like it's everything that comes in. And sometimes it's like, oh, well, I, I spent $20 on that. It's like, well, you know what? That's hit, If you're only making $8 every sale, the $20 is kind of a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to, to do bookkeeping right. I mean, if you want to sell your company or get funding or, or get investments, it's obviously big there. Paying your tax at the end of the year, way less stressful if you're doing it uh, every single month. But the real reason to do monthly bookkeeping because most people won't sell their business, won't get funding is for the decision-making every single month. You shouldn't just be making decisions based on gut, based on money going into your bank account. You should have a monthly process where the month ends within 10, 15 days of the month being over, you get your reports and you have a monthly finance meeting on your calendar every single month that you don't miss for any reason. And that's the meeting where you go through your numbers, you see what's working, you see what's not working, you compare this month to last month, this month to the same month last year, and that's where you make the decisions. Do I hire more people? Do I hire an agency? Do I cut back on software? Do I stop selling on Shopify? Whatever those decisions are should come from actually looking at the numbers and going through your books every single month.
0: Yes, and why do you think it is that people don't go through their books every month?
1: Uh people hate it. I think they're they're scared of what the numbers might actually say. I think we we kind of live in an era where you've got all these vanity numbers. Hey, I did all these sales every single month and when you break it down into margins, uh that that cannot be as pretty and you also find a lot of sellers who will sell five products, but only three of them are profitable. And because it's all lumped together, it's not segmented, uh, it's hard for people to, to cut off something that they've spent a lot of time and, and energy working for. Um, I also think people aren't necessarily comfortable at, at reading the three reports. I think the average entrepreneur can read an income statement, but balance sheet and cash flow, they, they struggle with a little bit. But There's only one way to to kind of get good at it and that's by looking at it every single month and asking questions and really understanding your business. And if you ever do wanna sell, the example I gave it is we had an initial call with the buyers who were actually one of our clients. And they asked us a lot of questions about our business, about our financials. And we had had this finance meeting every single month. So we knew our numbers inside and out. And when not only did we answer those questions right away without having to look it up, but down the line, when they actually got into our books, it matched everything that we told them on that initial call, which built a lot of trust and actually helped us exit. And I've kind of seen the the opposite happen, where you'll you'll talk to someone on the phone, you'll you want to buy their company, invest in their company, and then you get into the books, and it doesn't match anything of what they were telling you, and that's a quick ending of the deal. So
0: it is, and I sold my business, and I had everything in QuickBooks coming in and out, and my financials, and a lot of the buyers, I would say eighty percent of the questions were about my books and my numbers. And it was hard, but it was so necessary for me to be able to answer, look them in the eye and answer them directly and honestly what my numbers were, what my profits were, what any losses were, any, uh, you know, machines we owned, any debt we had, and just say it all with confidence. And I think that was one of the reasons I was successful in being able to sell my brand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's kind of lots of points off of this. I mean, there, there's plenty of sellers who go out of business, not because they're unprofitable, but because they run out of cash. So if you're not monitoring the actual cash flow of your business and and then being able to, to go to 8fig or whatever it is and, and get certain funding, um, stuff like that's important. So you, you never kind of know what you're going to find when you really dig into the numbers. But if you have a, a good bookkeeping process that you're getting a, a clean chart of accounts, clean reports that you can go through to help you Make decisions, that's what you need. You don't need to buy a course on QuickBooks. You don't even need to log into QuickBooks. We have lots of clients who just read our reports and make decisions from there. But you do have to help. You do have to be able to read those reports. And even outside of your own business, if you ever want to buy stocks or invest in other companies, the same reports apply that you need to be able to understand.
0: Yes. Very good point. Especially if you're starting your brand now and thinking with, I'm going to sell it one day, right? So from the beginning, having your books in order and not being scared to jump in. And another point you just made, it helps you forecast inventory. So an example for myself was I'm a go big or go home kind of person. I'm like, hey, I like my margins big. And if I order 2,000 units or 5,000 units, my margins are better. They improve. Well, looking at my books at the time I wanted to place this, uh, I think I, it was like 1500 units, but I was selling very expensive stuff. So I was buying it from anywhere from $50 to $70 a unit. I had to forecast and with the way that Amazon pays us out, it was like, it was not the time for, and I was only three months into selling, by the way. I was like, it is not the time for me to be ordering that much inventory because I didn't have the cash flow and I bootstrapped all of this. I didn't have investors or, you know, daddy's money backing me. Like this was all (laughs) coming from me.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if you kind of think of accounting as a whole, which is kind of the big bubble of everything, you got your, your CPA, you got your tax person, uh, they're there to decide, Hey, should you be an S corp? Should you be a C corp, uh, for strategic tax planning for actually filing your taxes? Then you've got your monthly bookkeeper, which should be a completely separate person who can be a little bit less expensive and focus on giving you reports that are easy to read and they should have a consistent process where they're on time every month. They're delivering reports for your finance meeting. And then if you get bigger over that five, maybe even over that 10 million, you can add that third component, which is that CFO outsource, fractional, full time, whatever it is. And they help you with taking those numbers and making business decisions and forecasting sales, forecasting cash and if you get really big, then you kind of have that three person team all working together. And if you're a little smaller, you should at least have a separate CPA, separate bookkeeper. They're in communication with each other. They're on the same page at all times. And that's going to get you the, the, the that's going to put you in the best position to make decisions every single month to help your business, to make tax season less stressful, to pay as little as possible in taxes and to, to really grow a successful business.
0: Hey, look, I trust you because you grew your Amazon business up to $25 and then you also did FreeUp, which you grew that and ended up exiting that. You're listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. If you like what you're hearing, click the subscribe button. We have new content coming out all the time, and you don't want to miss out. So let's talk about you being a longtime entrepreneur, but as we said in the intro, you never had a real job and you're clearly highly intelligent. So how have you navigated all of this without ever being an employee?
1: (laughs) So my parents made me get like part-time and summer jobs uh, when I was growing up. And I learned a lot about just sales and customer service and marketing, but I also learned just how little I liked working for other people. And I always wanted to, to be an entrepreneur. And when I got to college, my, I always, when I got to college, I felt like the, the bookstore was ripping me off when I was buying books for hundred of dollars and selling it totally. back to them for pennies. So, yeah, you've been there. So, I opened up a little bookkeeping business and I created a referral program. And before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me these textbooks. And, I would flip these textbooks to Amazon um, and, and make a little, uh, make a little markup there. Now, my my school did not like this, and they sent me a cease and desist letter telling me to knock it off and stop competing with the, their bookstore. And my parents are both teachers. So getting kicked out of school was not a a good option at the time. So I pivoted and I had this Amazon account. This was 2008. This was before the courses, before the gurus. There was no Amazon software back then. No one knew what being an Amazon seller was or or even what e-commerce was. And I started experimenting with the idea of dropshipping years before I even knew it was called dropshipping. I said, hey, I don't have money to buy inventory. I don't have any place to put inventory. What if I went to these US retailers who are just selling products at their store or on their own website and I said, hey, I'm good at selling products on Amazon. You can keep my credit card on file. You just ship the product where I tell you to. I'll mark it up. You can charge me retail prices. Eventually I negotiated those down. But I built up this network of hundreds of US manufacturers and retailers that were drop shipping all these products for me. And then it just became trial and error on, hey, couches are are too big to ship and a pain to return. Video games, you can't really mark them up because everyone is pays the same price for them. So we kind of came across, my partner and I came across uh, baby products that are obviously a huge market. Everyone has babies and people will pay anything for their kids. And they're kind of small, light, easy to ship, easy to return. And and that kind of became our baby product business. And from there, we, we struggled to hire. We hired a lot of college kids that were very unreliable. And that led us into the, the VA freelancer space. And we got really good at hiring e-commerce VAs and freelancers. And all of a sudden, the, this e-commerce faith that didn't exist just blew up and there were conferences and and courses and gurus and everyone opening up an Amazon account. So we kind of did the the selling the shovel to the gold digger situation where we were uh, giving the VAs and freelancers two different sellers. And that became the free up market marketplace, which
0: wow quickly
1: surpassed our Amazon sales and the rest is history.
0: Okay. Yeah. You're making this sound like way too simple. So let's unpack the baby company, because it is very impressive because you ran it for seven years and then it grew to over 25 million. And with that baby company, is how you put together this extremely useful team of virtual assistants, which then you spiraled into free up. So for the baby product company, did you start that as reselling and then go into private label?
1: So we never went into private label. We were always selling wow. other people's baby products. And wow. um, like you kind of said, it, it, it was a different landscape because now every yeah. everyone that has a baby product brand, they're just going to sell their own products on Amazon. But back then, that was a, a big thing that they didn't want to tackle. They didn't know anything about Amazon. They didn't know Amazon's rules. They didn't really know Amazon was an option. So my sales pitch to them was, hey, I've got an additional sales channel for you. I'll get you sales. All you have to do is ship it to where I tell you to. Um, and just like if you got the sales on your own website and for them, they were in, there was no downside. They had my credit card on file. They would charge me retail prices and, and, and all of that. And that just became really good relationships. Now over time, they kind of realized like, Hey, I don't need Nate. I can just sell my own products on Amazon and, and cut out the middleman. But for a, a five to seven year period, that was a, that was a just a great opportunity, both for, for them and for us.
0: Oh, got it. Okay, yeah, so it was strictly drop shipping the products and there's still space for drop shipping. I'll tell you, there were some products to me with my private label brand that I did a little bit of of drop shipping for, but I I followed Amazon's rules and I didn't do it on Amazon for my private label brand. I did it on um on a side website. So there's there's all different ways to sell, but it's super impressive to scale that to 25 million. So was that a business that would have been sellable?
1: See, the thing is maybe we could have sold it in like year three or four before Amazon started getting harder and there were more sellers. I'm not sure, like again, we didn't have any of our own products. We were kind of just dependent on other people's stuff. Right. It kind of worked out anyway, because it kind of led us into the VA freelancer space. But I mean, by the end of it, we didn't really have anything to sell. Like what we were doing, someone else could just do. I mean, we had a lot of five-star reviews and a really strong Amazon account and stuff like that. But outside of that, there wasn't like a, a strong business model behind it. Like there was a free up.
0: Okay. That makes sense. So building out the team with virtual assistants, I've had, I've probably gone through five or six VAs and I have uh, maybe three or four VAs that I work with now. Um, tell me about, well, give us tips actually for finding virtual assistants and how you get them to be so resourceful and helpful for your business.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we don't provide VAs anymore, but we do own Outsource School, which provides like our interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing process, along with all our SOPs. And a big thing that that we preach to our members is focus not just on their skill, but communication and attitude as well. We want people who like stability, like growth, want to be part of something and and feel part of a family. Uh, We want people who obviously speak English, but can get on the same page and you don't have to repeat yourself. So, Everything we do is kind of designed to find that trifecta, quickly find that trifecta of skill, attitude, and communication and look for red flags. What's this person telling me that says they don't have a skill set that we want or an attitude that we want or can't communicate? And that's kind of become our care interview process, uh, communication, attitudes, red flag, and experience. And then following that onboarding, which is just as important, and this is where most people mess up, we spend... An extra 30 minutes before they even get started, just going through expectations because we won't work with virtual assistants who have personal issues, interfere with work or schedule conflicts or um, issues with communication or don't buy into our culture or whatever it is. And that's our sick onboarding process, S-I-C-C, schedule issues, communication, and culture. And scare probably isn't the right word, but we'd much rather have them back out if it's not a fit, if they can't live up to our expectations, then have, train them for a month only for them to realize that this job and and our setup is not what they're looking for. So just by having a strong interview and a strong onboarding process, you're gonna save yourself a lot of the issues and the horror stories that you probably read online of people that have VAs that they've just wasted time and money on. And I mean, a big key for us at FreeUp was just no turnover. Turnover crushes small businesses. You're, you're never going to compete with people on money. There's always going to be someone that can pay your VAs more than you can. So you got to find other ways to become their favorite client. And with free up, the people we hired in month one were still with us four years later when we sold it. They're still with free up now. Uh, selling the company and getting rid of them was the hardest thing that we had to do. Although we took $500,000 from the sale and made sure our team was uh, taken care of, but You got to find great people up front and you got to be able to keep them and and turnover is just going to set you back. And that's just another thing that we really preach to our our members at Outsource School.
0: Yeah, that's very, very important and it's good advice. And I definitely need to implement that into my hiring process Um, for Amazon sellers um, who maybe like me have a few VAs or maybe don't have a VA yet. What is the best not the best but like what can you recommend starting a va to do like social media or ppc product research
1: so you got to think of hiring in three parts there's followers there's doers and there's experts so when i say va i'm talking about a follower someone who's probably five to ten bucks an hour could be a little less could be a little more but they're there to follow your systems your processes i don't want a newbie like if i'm hiring for customer service i want someone with. Five years of e-commerce customer service experience, but I'm not just saying, Hey, go do customer service or go find me profitable products. I'm saying, Hey, here's a process to follow. This is how I want it done. A, B, C, D. Here are the goals. Here are the things to avoid. And I'm teaching them how to do it. So if you don't have a process for that and you hire a follower and say, Hey, go run my PPC, you're going to run into a lot of issues and a lot of horror stories. Then you got the, the doers who they're the, the graphic designers, the Amazon listers, the, Video editors, they do the same thing eight to 10 hours a day. You're not teaching someone how to be a graphic designer. You might collaborate or you might give them examples of what you're looking for, but they're also not consulting with you either. They're there to do that one thing. And the beauty of the doers is you can bring them business to business. Like we've got graphic designers, writers, video editors that we use at Up, we use at Opsource School, we use at Ecom Balance because they're not necessarily full-time or even part-time. They're more project-based. And every time you want a listing written, you don't wanna have to go on FreeUp or go on Upwork and post it out and interview people. You wanna already have people that you can rely on and trust ready to go, and that's gonna speed up your business and then lastly is the experts, the agencies, the coaches, the consultants, the people that come in with their own process, because as an entrepreneur, you can't learn everything and taking a course on how to do everything is a bad use of your time. So you need to hire experts strategically to come in and hit the ground running from day one. So as an entrepreneur, you're going to have to hire all three levels. And you, before you hire anyone, you should really think, hey, do I need a follower? Do I need a doer or do I need an expert?
0: Yes, that's a great way to break it down. And as you went through that, it's like, I probably have doers working for me. Um, Maybe I need followers, and then I have to get my SOPs going. So yeah, I'm learning a lot. This is very insightful for me and our listeners. And what and why did you start Outsource School?
1: So the real story. So we sold free up in November of 2019. So it was like a, a six month process, most stressful six months of my life. Finally, we close on the deal. The original plan is take a year off. I thought my business partner would just be traveling the world and I wouldn't even see him for a year. And shortly after COVID hit, and we were kind of in this weird spot where we had to cancel all our plans. We had, we were out of free up. So we had no business to run. We didn't really have any new business ideas and we can only watch so much Netflix. So we started just brainstorming uh, business ideas, and a buddy of mine, Nate McAllister, you might know from the e-commerce space, he reached out and said, "Hey, if you st- if you launched a course on hiring, people would be interested in it." Obviously, you know what you're doing, and we just launched a course called "Cracking the VA Code." And like anything else, we did, we do, uh, we have a, a minimum viable product and we launched the course and if people hated it, we'd refund them and move on to something else. And if they liked it, we would do more and people ended up liking it. So we added our SOPs and turned it into a little membership called Outsource School. And that's kind of the story of that. And, we're not going to get back into the the placing VA th- thing or build another free, free, um, freelance marketplace or anything like that. But Outdoor School kind of lets us stay in the VA space and share everything that took us years and years to learn when it comes to hiring. And it's been a lot of fun just seeing people take our processes and just quickly plug them into their business.
0: That's incredible. So you had your Amazon business with, with the baby products and that made free up come about and free up was really where you learned to build and scale a business and you sold that and i imagine that that sale was kind of a life-changing moment for you
1: yeah. I mean, definitely life-changing Allowed allows me and my wife to not work or do whatever we want. And it kind of puts us in a position where I can work on projects I like without kind of the hustle of it. I mean, for free up, like- it was a 24 seven business for four years. I was going on lots of podcasts, doing lots of traveling for conferences. Now I'm kind of retired. I am retired from going to conferences or really any kind of work travel. Um, I limit the podcasts I go on. I, I don't work nights. I don't work weekends. I, I only work on projects that um, I want to like econ balance and Outsource school. And I'm able to hire a team earlier and, and, do a lot of the uh, or not do a lot of the stuff that that I don't want to. So I still love being an entrepreneur and growing businesses, but having a a much bigger lifestyle component to it, which definitely didn't exist for the Amazon on the free up days.
0: And then you sell free up. And you still had the passion and the care and I guess the energy. So you give back with outsource school. So it kind of like comes full circle to where now you can help people with outsource school because it's, it's a passion and you care so much about the VAs and what you learned.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we have a, a great community of, of entrepreneurs. Some of them just had a horrible time hiring VAs in the past, or they're hiring their first VA, or we've got people like, uh, like Carlos Alvarez of Wizards of Amazon who have like more VAs than I have. I think he's got like 400 VAs and he still took our process and, and implemented it. So it's kind of been fun to see the, the full spectrum of, of e-commerce people and just overall business owners, uh, using our, our VA hiring process.
0: I know now I feel like I need to go through this, so I'm going to be checking that out. I think you're doing a really good service because you're also providing the VAs with jobs, but placing them in successful positions. And I think that's a fear when hiring a VA that you don't just want to hire them for a project. You can hire them for a project, but they always want more. And then You get to this point of like, do I need them? Do I not need them? And you don't want the VA to be a sore spot in your business because you're paying them because maybe they're, in my opinion, they are affordable, but I also want to utilize it and help them grow their career. So I'm really enjoying this conversation. I'm learning a lot.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I mean, Outdoor School kind of became a, a nice little passive income stream for us. I mean, running a, a course a membership isn't a, necessarily a full time thing. And after that, we spent a year just brainstorming bad ideas. And eventually we kind of thought, hey, like bookkeeping obviously helped us with our Amazon business. When we finally figured it out, it helped us with free up. And we did a lot of market research. We interviewed hundreds of e-commerce sellers. You can actually find those interviews on the Econ Balance blog and kind of learned the, the pain points and how a lot of bookkeepers struggle with e-commerce or struggle to hire, struggle to scale, what what sellers like and hate when it comes to their bookkeeper. And again, minimum viable product. We, we launched a monthly bookkeeping service, hired a bunch of bookkeepers, gave two months free to, to get feedback and break everything. And that went well. And now we kind of, now we're, we're really focused on growing e balance. We even launched a sister brand uh, called Accounts Balance. That's more for agencies and, and non-e-commerce businesses. But um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun growing businesses and doing something different outside of the, the VA freelancer space.
0: Yeah. And you're finding the pain points that you experienced when you were selling and building your Amazon business. And, you know, it is you called it unsexy, but money is sexy and it all comes from watching your profits. Cause like profits is sanity. The numbers are, you know, just make you look good. I think there's like that saying like, um, vanity or something for your, your sales numbers, but it really is the profits and, with AMZ Insiders, we do have people come to us where they're going into the red because they haven't watched their books close enough. So for us as coaches, we weren't there from the beginning, but I feel for them and I want to get that get that flipped around as soon as possible. So one of the first advice we should give everybody is they should go get a bookkeeper to really know where their money is coming in and out. And sometimes it's like, oh, well, it's my PPC. It's like, is it or is it everything you're spending?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if anyone listening wants to check out Econ Balance, uh, you get two months free if you mention this podcast, which is kind of the original deal we have. But on the site, it's only one month. And um, yeah, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Nathan Hirsch. I love just meeting other people in the e-commerce space. It's a it's a great community that that I just have the privilege to, to be in every day.
0: I love that you're giving two months free. That is really generous because two months of bookkeeping right there, you have total insight into what is going on just from two months. And what about, um, building your books backwards? Like if I needed to clean up, you know, the past six months.
1: Yeah. I mean, our quotes are normally two parts. It's a fixed price for any kind of setup, catch-up, cleanup, depending on how far back we have to go. And um, then it's a fixed price for whatever your monthly is with, with two months free. So everyone's kind of in a different position. We've got people who haven't done their books in years, or they just need us to do January 2023 going forward, or they're they're in a good spot and they just need us to go forward. It, it kind of depends on where you're at.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll put that contact in the show notes and is there anything else you'd like to share before we say goodbye?
1: Uh, no, my, yeah, my business partner and I, we're both on LinkedIn. He's Connor Gillivan. I'm Nathan Hirsch. Definitely connect with us there. We post daily tips um, on hiring, on bookkeeping. He does a lot with SEO. Definitely worth checking out. And uh, yeah, just appreciate you having me on. And for anyone interested in Outsource School and Econ Balance, you can just go right on the site to, uh, to check it out.
0: Nathan, thank you for sharing your tips and your insight today. I am very impressed. And until next time, stay fearless. If you're already selling on Amazon or you're looking to get started and you want my help, go to amzfearless.com to book a free strategy selling session. We can see if we can help you out. That's amzfearless.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. Until next time, stay fearless.